Logical Progression, Year 1, Lesson 25. I'm a bit, yani, um, head's a bit spinning, a bit tired, a bit whatever. I've just literally, literally got off the plane not too long ago. And after a couple of days traveling, so my head is all this, that. I don't think today's lesson is going to be the best of quality, unfortunately, for which I apologize in advance. But we'll, you know, but, but. Um, I did come up with a what's the word? I did come up with a we, in Arabic we call it a khatira yani, I guess in English it's like a gem that encapsulates the, the thingy it hit me right on the plane and I said that's it that's yani subhanallah I never thought that before and we can really nicely, conveniently fit it in to this week's lesson. So, and uh, with that, Jazakallah Khaira, I see that she put up the thing. But I think maybe she was also on a plane. Because she also put it up just like two hours ago, Miskina. So maybe she was yani, feeling my same kind of pain as well. Uh, which is an indication that I haven't had any time to prepare. So, I think I read page 126. In the commentary And I'm guessing Yeah we pretty much did the first point Right On the on the unlawful matters I think where we are now Okay In the Arabic text Page 4 في طريق وظل نافع وتحت شجرة عليه ثمرة. The following are unlawful with respect to going to the toilet. Number one, facing or turning one's back to the qibla when not inside a building. Number two, remaining longer than needed. Number three, urinating on a path in useful shade. Or beneath a fruit-bearing tree. All right. So that's the. Uh, those are the three. Uh, I mean, the third one obviously is three separate points, but it's like the same kind of category. So we can make them three. We can make them five. It doesn't really matter to be honest. Um, but that's cool. I think what we had, we had a really beneficial discussion. Actually, Span I enjoyed last week's lesson. Myself personally, I found that there was a lot of beneficial points in there. That we were able to express and it being recorded and transcribed will be a service to us in the future. You know, some 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 lessons, certain things are put down, which you know are big things. We we won't realize it now. Later, you will realize we did big things last lesson, discussing the differences in how in, in methodology 
with respect to deriving evidences and, and, and hadith especially. That's really beneficial to come across two hadith which we don't want to just say that ones we can take the easy way out. We're going to accept them both on authenticity levels. We're going to then try and use as much fiqh prowess as possible to work out which one is more correct. We looked at all the varying opinions, six plus opinions on what was the correct position on the issue. And then we came to this very interesting mas'ala where we compared a verbal statement versus a, uh, a an action of the Prophet Were you guys able to follow that here? Was it coming across well? I mean, I know that it was noggins here and he, he hefted 20 kg of this beast here. Look at the size of this dog, look at him. It's the world's biggest microphone ever. I think it weighs 10 kg by itself, okay? You cannot imagine. You know, the problem is is that it wasn't even a simple flight. Do you realize, I just want to tell you a couple of things. Do you realize in this last week, I've flown over more of Canada than most Canadians have. I flew to, no, a choice by the way. Edmonton, which is like one corner, or one area anyway. And then to Ottawa, which is a whole other world. I think you get to Turkey quicker than you get to Ottawa, by the way. That's how miles away it was. Then to Toronto, which is the other direction. And then back to Calgary. That's four kickoff cities, yeah. And so if you guys want you to imagine, every time I'm flying from here and there and whatever, whatnot, they keep stopping me each time over this damn thing here. They thought it was like the world's yeah, the most elaborate bomb ever. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, you know, if you see this baby on a on an X-ray machine, you are gonna have you are gonna skip a heartbeat. You know what I'm saying? Because when you see this boy here, yeah, let's at least show them it. Look at this. Okay. But but the people at home need to see this. The yeti. It's, it's called it's the, yeti. the Yeti. It's known as the Yeti. But just to give you some perspective, look at the size of my head. <laughs> compared, compared to this beast, it's just nothing else but a beast. It's a work of art in like one of those kind of like crazy kind of like Picasso ways, Yanni. But so I want to say that Noggins, Yanni, hefted this thing and this laptop, which is the world's biggest, heaviest laptop in history, and all kinds of stuff. And then when it came to the lesson, when my boys came to pick me up, I left everything in the hotel, yani, mashallah. No laptop, no camera, no recording machine, no squat, nothing. Picked up some next packs, yani, laptop, machine, whatever. We just did it over some Skype camera because, amazing. It wasn't that bad. I looked at the videos, alright? Wasn't uh, wasn't a thingy. And I wanted to actually thank, subhanAllah, the excellent hospitality of the brothers in Ottawa, those who came down from Montreal as well, and then the folks in Edmonton, mashallah, excellent students. It's the best thing, subhanAllah, of, of going around the cities. You know what we do, uh, you guys probably won't know, but when we, go, when we, when we do the, uh, 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 the logical progression abroad, but not, actually not just abroad, actually in the UK as well, if I'm teaching on a weekend, we have uh, always, in a, in a Al-Maghrib class, we always have a separate session for the logical progression students. So we hook them up. Yeah, and then we have a session, we sit down, have a chat, some Q&A, some feedback. It's very nice. It's nice to meet all the students and discuss. And um, so last week, obviously, there was a good face-off between, uh, between Montreal versus Ottawa in the fifth debate. And, you know, Montreal battered Ottawa, yeah, yeah, but I'm afraid to say, which is a shame, but never mind. 
That's because the guy on the Ottoman side was a part-timer. He wasn't a bona fide logical progression student. They put forward the wrong man. Anyway, so it was a benefit. It was a beneficial. It was important. Uh, who can just give us a quick conclusion of what we said? What was that? What was our? Uh, I, I, listen, you have to. You have to be kind to me. You know, I go through a lot of hassle to do this lesson. Can you give me just one more minute, please? Yeah. Can I just say that I batted Bobby in the fantasy league? <laughs> I know this is your lesson time. Are, are, are you kidding me? I know, we, we I know this Suleiman is... Above you and that's just Suleiman, we don't care about Suleiman. He did well, yeah, he did well. But there were excellent club. That's not my battle. My battle was not Suleiman. Mine was a very clear battle between me and Bobby J. And me and Bobby J, we had fantasy football, Premier League, yeah. So Bobby J, mashallah, he did launch a fireback. It was a massive gap at one point, which then was narrowed to like 21 points. In the end, I just destroyed it. Bob's got, yeah, and it put in his place. Bob's, any uh, words of uh, acknowledgement? and it's a flat lesson, yeah? Huh? It's a flat lesson. It's a flat lesson. Oh, yeah. SubhanAllah. such a sore loser Okay then, so you guys want to do fit? We really want to do fit, yeah? Come on, someone conclude to me then what we did uh, yesterday. Yesterday? Last week even. What was our conclusion? With respect to the first point about it being haram. Who can summarize for me the mas'ala? Don't depress me, Yanni, by, by not answering this question because I will get depressed. The amount of effort that I put into, into teaching that with single point, yeah? Notes that I made... Comparative, this, that, whatever. Just give me a rough, rough conclusion from what you understand of the statement, the Hanbali statement, the statement of Imam al-Hajjawi. The following are unlawful: number one, facing or turning one's back to the qibla when not inside a building. Summary, please. Yes. Mahdi, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So there was a big difference of opinion on this exact issue amongst the scholars. Some say that it's never allowed whether inside a building or not. Okay, so a few of them said it is not allowed to face the qibla or to turn one's back to it whilst urinating or defecating. Absolutely, whether inside a building, outside a building, such as, mm-hmm. such as Sheikh Islam ibn Taymiyyah. And Shaykh al-Islam, A.E. Allahu Akbar! It's um. <laughs> <laughs> good. You have to know your Shaykh al-Islam. It's very important. I, give re- I respect him, yani. I'm, I'm not a sore loser like Bob's. If I get beaten, I still call him Shaykh al-Islam. Shaykh al-Islam, he's ahead. But, you know what I'm saying? Right, yep. And I think, I mean, I'm not actually going to lose the last Okay. But, what about the majority? That's, that's fine. And we made it very clear that this is a literal opinion, a minority opinion, an opinion that I hold, and I didn't want it to become, per se, a spread opinion for the class. I didn't want that to happen. Yeah? I think the main opinion from the Alhamdulillah is that it's allowed within buildings, but not outside. Yep, exactly as it says in this text here. Yeah. In the buildings, you're covered, and so therefore the issue is, is not a problem. Outside, one avoids it. Yes? Would you agree that's the majority position? Would you agree that we said that that's the position of the Hanafis 
and the Malikis and Shafi'is as well. Okay, so exactly actually what is there is the is the majority position. That's fine. That's fine. Okay, good. So let's go then into the next uh, statement. Let's really stick to. Let's play it safe this week and just stick to the text, which would be uh, advised considering that I feel like I've uh, overdosed on everything, which is making my mind drowsy. I don't know. So the next point: وَلُبْثُهُ فَوْقَ حَاجَتِهِ and his lubth, uh, you, you'll see this verb, وَمَا لَبِثَ يعني لَبِثَ is used in the Qur'an many times. They remained. Yeah? Um, so, his remaining there, his remaining, meaning her remaining as well, um, above their haja, their need. Okay? So, basically just hanging around in the toilet for no reason. You know what I'm saying? For no reason. Now, Shaykh Uthameen says that this is haram. يحرم ويجب عليه أن يخرج من حين انتهائه وعلّلوا ذلك بعلتين He must exit as soon as he has fulfilled his need. And they gave the reasoning for this based upon two علّلز two kind of sharia reasons. The first one الأولى أن في ذلك كشفا لعورة بلا حاجة which is interesting. The first one is that um that it leads to the uncovering of one's aura without any need. Uncoverings, uncovering of one's aura without any need. Alright? And secondly, أن الحشوش والمراحيد مأوى شياطين والنفوس الخبيثة فلا ينبغي that toilets, public urinals and, and, and dirty areas if it's not like an actual physical toilet, then these are the the chilling grounds. Okay, these are this this the yard effectively of the shayateen. Okay, of the devils, and an nufus al khabitha, meaning yani corrupted souls. So what 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 it means by corrupted souls is obviously referring to, uh, uh you know humans doing haram things and so on and so forth, like masturbation and like. Whatever else it could be happening there, dirty actions, haram actions, okay, and makru actions. We'll deal with rulings on those kind of actions later. And so, and it's not right that a person remains in such a place. There's a general principle of well, actually we'll, 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 we'll explain this in a second. So what does Sheikh Uthameen mean? He's saying so this is he, and you know that well, you can see from his statement wa'allalu they gave two reasons, yeah. They gave, right? And he goes, What the harim al What the He goes, As for the ruling of making this remaining in the toilet haram, Mabniyun ala ta'lil, that is based actually just upon reasoning. These two reasons given. It's based upon ta'lil. Wala dalila fihi anin nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But there's no single evidence like a textual evidence on this issue. From the Prophet it's just based upon common sense and good thinking and good, you know, common like whatever. But as a specific evidence from the Prophet to make it haram, no. Walihada, and therefore Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal he said in a narration fi riwayatin. So again, these are heavy words here. Okay. Uh, we're learning another point here that Imam Ahmad he has many riwayat and we know that from our 
principles of the Hanbali Madhab, that if you follow the Hanbali Madhab, you'll see that there's often three narrations taken from Imam Ahmed, sometimes completely contradictory. And there's a huge science just on which school to follow within the Hanbalis. Those of his close students, those of the Muhaqqaqeen, those who rather looked at all the evidences and came later and were superior Imams, like Ibn Qudama, for example. Um, and so that's important to, to recognize. And it is a difficult job and something completely for the experts in Hamli Madhab to determine what is the Qawlu Rajah, the uh, strongest opinion within the Madhab. Normally when we say Qawlu Rajah, we're talking about yani, amongst all fiqh opinions. I'm just saying Al-Qawlu Rajah fil Madhab, meaning the preferred opinion in the Madhab. Or the word Al-Mu'atamad. The Mu'atamad means the, 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 the status quo opinion. The one which is the amad is upon, you know, the pillar, the one, the one which I don't know how you describe the mu'atamid, the base position, the default. the default position, the default position in the madhab, the mu'atamid. We we discussed these terms in our early lessons in, in, in the introduction to the madhab, and so he goes. So Sheikh Uthameen says that because of the lack of Sharia evidence, meaning textual evidence, what we call what's the singular word for that? Nas. Yes, you've got to become comfortable with these words. Nas means a text, yeah? And a hadith or an ayah. What's the plural of nas? Nusus. Yeah? Nusus. So, because of this, Imam Ahmed said, إِنَّهُ يُكْرَحُ Actually, it is something disliked, not hated. Alright? This is the position of Imam Ahmed, and this is clearly the position of Shaykh Uthameen as well. So, already we've seen... Yani differences in this list of haram. In this list of haram, the first point was about facing or, 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 or pulling one's back towards the, the qibla. Already, you've seen that I disagree with that. Many of the Hanbalis themselves disagree with that and big scholars disagree with that. The second point that was put forward by the Hanbali madhab is that it's haram to stay in the toilet for a longer period of time. Already, Sheikh Uthameen disagrees with that. He said it's makro. Already, uh, there's a riwayah from Imam Ahmad himself which also says it's makro. I agree. Um, on that position myself Obviously And there's some more details In, in Al-Insaf Which is of course The commentary uh, The famous Hanbali com- commentary Now What I wanted to say to you Is that um, uh, there's, It's clear that There are no Sharia evidences Per se a Hadith or whatever But the points being made Aren't interesting Okay um, Let's look at the first one Let's look at holistically Spiritually if you like The first one That it leads to the Aura Being uncovered for longer than one is needed. That would suggest, and this, uh, this was the position of the scholars, even though, even though it is, even though uh, there, w- there might not be a specific, direct, clear evidence to prohibit such an action, we know that to walk around naked, for example, or uncovering one's aura, unless yani, there's a need of some sort, specifically like getting changed, or getting into bed, or going into the bathroom, or whatever, is something that should be avoided. Something that should be avoided. So that's a lesson for us for the time being until we come to the detailed section on the aura. That one of yani just because, for example, one's at home alone, uh, or there's or doors are closed, it doesn't mean that we have this nudist kind of mentality. And you know, I, I tell you what's, what's, what's something which is interesting. Um, when it comes to psychologically looking at various movements like the nudist movement, or like those which are very uh, people who are very um, the inhibitions are very um, they're very permissive right or liberal with respect to that 
it's actually because they become used to their body in such a way. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Like nakedness, even though it might be permissible in certain times, there is a very clear emphasis in Islam that one covers the body anyway. Even though you might not need to. Like the hat, for example. It's difficult to say that, even though there's one or two scholars, but it's difficult to say that the hat is a religious thing. Yes? Now, there, there are discussions uh, amongst the Salaf and so on and so forth that you will see that in actual fact, it's not the hat which is the issue. Actually, anything that covers the body as much as possible is seen as honorable. And I think we discussed that with the king example like a couple of weeks back. We said that the difference between the normal guy and the king is that he's got all these pointless, pointless extra robes on. And so when he comes out, he's like weighed down, isn't he? I'm not just jewelry. I mean, he's got like a robe. Then he's got like another robe. It's also mostly covering his shoulders. You know what I'm saying? They're not really covering his arms. That's why when he when he's getting changed, they, they hold him out and they lift off the first one, lift off the second one. There's a general idea. There's a general idea. And also when you take it back to, when you look at, for example, niqab or hijab, certainly hijab, and then we can add niqab as well. Back in the day, it was the way of differentiating between a free and an enslaved woman. So a woman who came from a slave background would not be required to wear hijab, okay, or was a slave. Whereas a free woman is seen as a noble woman, seen as a, uh, a woman of honor and a, wo- a woman who's not a, a captive and w- has full rights and can't be sold and whatever, then they were covered. So even in the classic pre-Islamic uh, 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 period, pre-Islamic period, and then moving into the early days of Islam, this was yani, something which was well known amongst the society. And today when you see people discussing hijab you'll find it very difficult to avoid the word it's more honorable and so on and so forth and I think that that's a system across the board that Isn't Yusuf making this more about dignity um, rather than you know um, being primitive in itself because obviously if you're alone who are you exposing the honor to? So you're saying that my word, use of the word uh, uh, honor is focused too much on the third party yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. Yeah, and, and I was just going to come to um, uh, the, the 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 um, the text which do exist on this issue. As I said, there's nothing nothing direct, but when you look at Sayyidina Uthman and the famous hadith of Sayyidina Uthman and some of the Sahaba and just generally from the Prophet when they were told to cover or or when a, a comment was made about one's aura, it's interesting that who who was it that was considered to be shy. The angels, the angels. So it fits into your point that, um, uh, meaning that it's not just about a personal dignity, but it is, of course. At the same time, being by oneself is only oneself from a human point of view. There are angels around. And we need to like appreciate that, that if you're walking around the house naked, don't expect the angels to be kind of like, you know, following you around. It makes common sense. I think even... I think even human mind or the human-like emotion wouldn't feel comfortable reciting Quran, for example, whilst naked. Do you understand the point there? Yeah. Now that can also be taken in the wrong way as well. So we're saying cover your cover your points and cover your body and have dignity and honor and respect for yourself and yani in front of others. But then also don't create the situation which many of our own women do, which is that you can't read the Quran without covering your head. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, I want to say that there are some evidences 
not evidence sorry there are some narrations from the companions and uh, from the Salaf that show the excellence of that but again that's in the, the, the general sense that's in the general that's, that's it's similar to the idea of about like you know like when it comes to kids especially like uh, uh, this generation in this country if we didn't allow these guys to read Quran lying down they would, they would not read it do you understand what I'm trying to say it's a real challenge when we want to connect with these, these guys to the Quran and to say that you have to read it like we used to read it when we were young can you imagine us reading Quran and lying down they'd be dead you know what I'm saying yeah. you get beats yeah. so uh, you know or, lying, or feet like up high or anything like that Quran was very much a formal process get the rail out yeah <laughs> the, the uh, whatever they call Quran shelf put it in cross your legs get your topi on and sit in that formal kind of fashion and read it like that so there was that level of there's distance between us and the Quran and it was very much an object and obviously the, the, after the Sahwa after the Islamic awakening uh, in the world right not just the west so the, one of the key kind of, if you like, objectives of the Sahwa and the founders of the Islamic awakening in the last 50, 50 years and this Islamic uprising of thought and ideology and revival of the religion, one of the key objectives was to revive the Qur'an as a real uh, constitution, a real spiritual companion, something that had to be tangible and comfortable with the, with the, with the carrier of the Qur'an. And so that, that's obviously a noble objective and that's no doubt what we need to do. And so efforts uh, in that area were focused on tafsir, you know, about translating the Qur'an so people could connect to it. And then the second level was then, in a language which they understand, explain the Qur'an so they could connect to it. And then I guess one of the kind of, some of the subsidiary kind of points, non-direct points, was to make them comfortable carrying it. So the Qur'an was made smaller to go into people's pockets, which was a big problem for people because that wasn't the norm. And people were, uh, and people who were reading it lying down, feet out towards Qibla, for example, lying on a bed, whatever. Then this, the, the criticism was reduced. The criticism was always there, but one was like not wanting to really go in a deep, you know, hardcore because you don't want to mess up an opportunity and so on. And that's now gone even more and even more with the electronic, uh, 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 the, the iPhone or an iPad which one can much more comfortably lie down like this, like that. It's just hard, isn't it? It's hard. It doesn't bend, doesn't tear. You just put it. You cannot even just touch it, whatever. And I, I go further. I go further. The issue of menstruation and, and uh, reading Quran. This used to have very little discussion amongst the scholars in the early days. Even though, yes, back, even back then, there was the uh, understanding that some of the ulama did not consider it a condition that a woman be in her clean period uh, to read the Qur'an or touch the Qur'an. Contemporarily uh, speaking, the contemporary scholars are much more quote-unquote lax on this um, and they allow it for a number of uh, uh, reasons. The main one which is, as I said, again one of the objectives of the Islamic revival is if we don't let them do this then we're then going to start losing touch with the religion if we're too tight on them and we're too harsh on them then that little thing that they are doing uh, then even that will go so there's a lot of pressure upon scholars to kind of allow things obviously it's been made easier now with the electronic version where someone doesn't have to even touch the pure pages of the Mus'haf and just swipe effectively a electronic device so I, I, the reason I mention that is it's very important and I always try to express this is that when you're looking at fiqh rulings 
you're trying to think you know outside the box look at things more deeper and understand what the scholars are thinking and the principles that these points are based upon so nakedness is a very important thing and that we should definitely teach our children as well um, that that uh, 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 th- th- this kind of can, uh, um, it's a big challenge it's a big challenge there's a lot of pressure on at the moment and in our class protect this house which is why I was teaching and for those who are interested for the last time in this area well yeah last time in anywhere close to Manchester I'll be teaching it next weekend not this weekend the weekend after in Bradford it's your last opportunity to get it for probably a good couple of years because that's it now um, um, the the big challenge of course is little girls now little girls themselves are very very impressionable when it comes to clothing very impressionable and you've got this difficult dichotomy between the mother obviously if a mother is not doing her part then you can forget this okay I mean that's just an uphill battle that you're not going to win if a mother's not covering and she doesn't care about the deen then I don't know how she and she still has that concern as so many Muslim women have they don't cover but they want their daughters to cover right so I mean that's just a disaster but I'm saying that if you uh, are covering then the big challenge is the prevailing environment around the child and their insistence on reducing clothing and uncovering and so on and it starts little it starts little it starts from the full sleeve going to short sleeve and then from short sleeve from trousers then going to stockings and then goes from stockings to tights and then from tights to bare legs Okay, at the school level, this is all not. I'm not not sexualizing this at all. Keep everything else baggy and decent. This is where this is how it happens. So full sleeve to short sleeve, and then full trousers and socks to thick stockings, which effectively are like trousers, and then those thick stockings to thin with a knee knee, knee skirt, and then bare legs with socks, and then outside socks. These are the things which have to be protected against big time, big time. And I'm not even talking about hijab. I haven't even introduced the concept of hijab. You see, I have this point of view that um, number one, we shouldn't rush hijab upon a little girl in in primary school uh, unless it's an Islamic school, which is for me probably the only die-hard killer reason to have the Islamic school for girls, for primary school girls. I don't. It's good for everyone. But if I was going to choose what age to put what child in, that would be it. Out of all the boys and girls and out of all secondary and junior, the thing that I would really try to choose is to put a little girl into a primary Islamic school, an elementary school. Because that is the part where their uh, ideology is formed with respect to their bodies. That age, all right? And um, uh, to, for example, if the little girl develops, sexually develops, Meaning that she's now she starts to go through uh, her body changes and 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 so on and so forth. Then we know that the ulama said it's obligatory then to cover for her to cover and uh, to to minimize that, that 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 physical reality. And for that to happen, uh, 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 psychologically speaking, for a little girl who's under eleven years old and her friends around her who are innocently completely confused by what happened one day was like this next day was like that that's difficult for the little girl which is why as i said the one and only not the one and only but for me yeah i need the big huge advantage of an islamic school for girls is that if that does happen or even if it doesn't happen then it's introduced early young everyone's doing it so it's not a problem 
and moving on then further from this whole uh, nakedness and uh, d discussion when little girls start junior school uh, junior high meaning uh, secondary school uh, year seven and so on regardless of the state of their body or, or their uh, 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 post pubescent or not whether they have their period or not they go in with hijab regardless they go in covered regardless and that will then make it psychologically far more easier just like we can all relate to I, those who want to pray at work you say that from the beginning it's no problem if you jump in you know two three years chilling out enjoying yourself then suddenly you become the religious guy and you wanting time off you and then it becomes a mission as we all know so the same kind of principles same kind of principles so um, these are some of the points that we were discussing in the, these classes and it's important for our discussion nakedness is an important issue it's only going to increase by the way it's not going to go back when it goes back it goes back as a fashion fad like when Queen, Queenie goes out on a rainy day and she wears a little hijab. Yeah? Where was she? I saw her wearing a hijab. What was she doing? <coughs> no, she was listening, listening to Quran. Issa goes, she was listening to Quran. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was. No, no, no. Uh, that's a religious one. I'm talking about her other uh, little hijab, the convertible one. I think she was at the Chelsea, uh, the, the, the flower show, right? Or was it maybe a couple of weeks ago? But she was covering her head anyway. Good on her. Anyway, so the second point. So that's the first point. Uh, the second point that he gave was that this is where the uh, people hang about. You know, the, the bad bad things happen. And that's the, that's the difficulty. And especially in the age of devices and so on and so forth. You could, you know, be in there for way more than you need to be. Need to be. Now, I was saying to you that I've come up with my um, my my on the plane I was sitting there on the plane feeling tired and depressed and mugged out yeah and so then I'm um, uh, just like I said just lying there and and then I went to the bathroom and then when I came back from the bathroom it struck me if you want to know what the sunnah is with respect to istinja okay the process and the amount of water uh, or not or dry or not if you want to know what the sunnah is with respect to wudu, the actions and the amount of water used or not. If you want to know the sunnah with respect to the amount of time you're meant to stay in a toilet or not. The sunnah is how you go to a toilet in an airplane. It's the sunnah. That's it. Just make sure you write that in gold. Yeah? And what a fiqh. Yeah? And if I find anyone else who steals this from me, there's going to be... Because they're gonna, they're gonna they're, they're, this is a legendary statement. They will be repeating this for decades to come. It's fiqh. I never felt the need to remain in an airline laboratory for more than one second than you have to be. <laughs> Ever. You know what I'm saying? Cleaning yourself, washing out with yourself, mission. Space, mission. The amount of uh, the body that you uncover, minimal. Because there's no way to put anything. You know what I'm saying? And this fits in here. You see what I'm saying? What is the, what's the point here? That you don't uncover your outer for less than what is needed. And in last week's lesson, we said that before uh, he only uncovers his thobe as well, soon as he gets to the ground. Remember we discussed that? That and he literally doesn't uncover until he's literally sitting down. All of these are physical realities that you experience in a toilet. And then the wudu. There's none of that yani, at home, smash, blush, bush, bosh, yani, with buckets of water. 
You've got a little dinkle thing which is dripping water that you press down, three drops comes out. You haven't even filled nothing yet before you've got to do it again. And throughout the whole process, I was thinking, subhanAllah, it's a sunnah. It's a sunnah. You like that, don't you? I know you like it. Don't get all stingy on me. It's okay to praise. It's no problem. But always say, mashallah, after it. Okay. Barakallah. Exactly what she said. I always know she has got my back. So any points on that? Any questions on that on that, that, that uh, section? No? Okay. So um, the next point then. Um, so his urinating in on the pathways. Uh, Shaykh Uthameen says, uh, i.e. the Hanbalis, they, they considered this to be haram. And he goes, obviously, don't get misled by urinating in the path. He goes that defecating is even worse. Yeah? Which is... You know, I appreciate him telling us that one. وَالْغَائِدْ مِنْ بَابْ أَوْلَى That's even more يعني, emphasized just because it's not uh, uh, mentioned. And he goes, and the basis for this is the hadith which is narrated in Sahih Muslim on the authority of the Prophet ﷺ. Protect yourself from the two things which عَانَيْن, which cause one to become cursed. Uh, or, or no... Uh, those who are cursed yani that you get called that you get I don't, I don't even know how to translate that those that yani, um, those two things that people will curse you for yeah that's, that's, that's probably better and they said sorry ya Rasulullah and what are these two things that people will curse you for and he said الذي يتخلى في طريق الناس أو في أظلهم that where people uh, go to the toilet in the paths of the people or in their shades or in their shades so and this is narrated and this is supported by uh, a number of other narrations um, as well okay and we'll talk about this in a second now um this hadith, the one that I just mentioned, is sahih, inshallah. And it was considered uh, sahih by a number of the scholars, even though uh, uh, some scholars considered the hadith to be weak. And there's a detailed discussion at the bottom there as well. Now, Shaykh Uthameen goes there, illa, the reasoning behind it. So that's fine. The hadith says, avoid that. But what's the reasoning behind it? Because uh, urine is, is harmful. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's distasteful. It's disgusting for the people who are walking by. And they're only walking by in this area. I want you to imagine uh, it's not like Yani UK where the road is also paved as well as the pavement. And the road is also safe like the pavement. In, in, our, uh, in those societies then, a lot of, uh, uh, and even now, uh, uh, the amount of effort that has to go in to make a pavement safe and sound and secure and, and the like means that if you don't walk on a pavement, there is no other option safe. You're getting in the way of things, it's dangerous and so on. So once you take out that pavement, you're taking out like everything. And the difference obviously here is that even here, if they took out the pavement by you know urinating or whatever, it causes a minor inconvenience. You make a detour because the rest of it is all possible. But still it's an inconvenience. You're still thinking, you know, it's what, what's the, what is your thought when you see dog uh, uh, mess on the floor? Yeah? And you, you, you know, uh, you go around it. If you step in it, you are cursing, aren't you? You are stepping, you, you know, you are freaking out like stupid owners, stupid dogs, blah, blah, blah. 
fla 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 whatever you know what I'm saying so that is what that's where the the the, the word ala name comes from those uh, that which people say may be cursed that scum who did that who just urinated here you may you may rest on the wall you know you might be chilling out somewhere and then you can smell that disgusting smell and then you realize that some guy has been urinating there i think it's a public it's a it's a it's a it's a 60 pound fine is it yeah in the society no what was it AC is that how much they fined you last time Chaz <laughs> only me and Chaz can do things like that why are you taking the birth? why are you making it bigger than it what are you staring for what are you staring for no need yeah alright then <laughs> I'm tired yeah I need to throw in one joke at least Shaz has never, ever, ever been caught for doing anything. Shaz is the only person I know who in his entire life has never had, mashallah, mashallah, any, uh, any speeding points or any fines or anything until literally a couple of weeks ago with scheme. The guy was getting, he, he literally so depressed I thought I was going to have to pray janaz over him. And he, he got three points. I think I must have had three points at least 30 times. I don't know how many times I've gone around the clock and the license gone, back again, gone, back again. Shazada is Yani, mashallah. He's a very law abiding citizen. St- upstanding citizen. So the illa is that you urinate in the path and that is uh, painful and uh, painful. Either yani, it's a hassle. And, and what Sheikh Tameen says, this is interesting. This is either. Either is yani, uh, harm, harmful. And harming is not something where you know you physically have to cut someone. When you're stressing people out, or you're making people uncomfortable, or you're causing them to change path or whatever, all of this is called harming. Is that clear? And harming the Muslims is haram, because Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, Okay, those who harm the believing uh, Muslims, males and females, um, uh, for other than that, what they have uh, done themselves, meaning yani, without any uh, just cause, فَقَدْ اِحْتَمَنُوا بُحْتَانًا وَإِثْمًا مُبِينًا Then they have taken upon themselves, uh, you know, they have caused themselves a huge problem and a huge slander and a mighty sin. And that's in Surah Al-Hazab, verse 58. Uh, the translation, I'm sure, on the thingy will be far better. And then to continue on from that, وَظِلِّ النَّافِعِ And a beneficial shade, i.e., it is, Shaykh Uthameen says, it is haram to urinate or to defecate in a beneficial uh, uh, shade. And he goes, the point here to also to note is that not every shade is beneficial. So it's not, it's not haram to defecate in the shade. It's haram to defecate in beneficial shade. So indeed, uh, So, for example, sometime, uh, sometimes, sometimes uh, uh, a person will, will will go to the toilet in a place where there's shade, but the people don't ever go there. It's not in the way of the people. It's not in their path. It's not in their use. And so, therefore, we do not say it is haram. What the little قوله he صلى الله عليه وسلم أو في ظلهم يعني الظل الذي هو محل جلوسهم وانتفاعهم بذلك. He goes that the evidence for my statement, Shaykh Uthameen saying that it's not every shade, is because he said, him, their shade, meaning that the people's, not his shade or their shade, 
It means the people's shade, meaning rest points, beauty points, picnic areas. Um, any add it, add it to yourselves. Think of some examples. Toilets. Huh? Toilets. Toilets is a very good one. Right? Because people go to toilets and they urinate in a toilet as opposed to in the toilet. What did I just say? Did I just say urinate in the toilet as opposed to in the toilet? Sorry. They, they, yeah, around the toilet or on the wall or some crazy behavior as opposed to in the toilet. Meaning, meaning basic, basically, where people are least expecting it, people are, you, can, you, can, you can put this reasoning behind. Where people are least expecting it and our people are, are going to go there as well. They're least expecting it to be there, and they're going to use it for something else as well. Okay, so that's the the, the reasoning behind that. Now, Sheikh Tamim on the next page 128, he goes. Some of the people of knowledge, they said, He said that, for example, he goes that um, sometimes, I'm going to try and just get this right because um, the translation of this is not very, um, he said that the same ruling is applied, Sheikh Uthameen, sorry, Sheikh Uthameen is quoting some of the scholars. He goes, the same ruling... Let me try and work it out to you guys. Uh, if you can, guys can guess this, okay? That this ruling that we just mentioned about it being haram to do uh, this, defecate, urinate, whatever, in the shade, okay? What can this same ruling be applied to uh, also linked to the weather? Rain. Rain. Elaborate. Yes? No? Someone say something? Where people would protect themselves from the rain. Where people would protect themselves from the rain. Very good. That's good. That's very good. So, for example, you know, like an overhanging kind of uh, lip of a building or a roof where people would run to, to 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 take cover from rain if that was something common. There's another obvious one, which is the direct opposite of the one in the text. The exact opposite. Wait. Something which I'm doing day and night. Someone wrote it down. Well, no, it's there in a text. You pack it. I want you to guess it. That's the correct correct answer. So in winter days, in winter days, in the sun, you know where the sun shines through weekly. You know, in a certain area or through, you know, into into whatever. And so people they they generally they sit in those sunny areas to get a bit warm. Something very common. Yep. So he goes. This is also. Uh, the, the qiyas is applied to that as well. So you have to be very careful from that point of view. He goes there. Some of the scholars said there is an exception to this rule. The reception, the exception is, is that if that this isn't, if this is an area where people sit down just to backbite. <laughs> so إذا كانوا يجلسون لغيبت أو في المحرم جاز أن يفرقهم. <laughs> it's mentioned in Kashaf al-Qina' 
which is of course one of the commentary books, he goes that if people are going to gather to do something haram in this area, then it's permissible to urinate and defecate in this area to split them up. <laughs> that's, like, that, that's the exact statement, yani, you know, get them spread. Sheikh Uthameen says, well, if you have another, yani, he, goes, he goes, I don't know about that. He goes, I don't know, I don't know about that. He goes, because the hadith, to be honest, is general. It didn't mention specific realities of the people sinning or not sinning. The hadith is aam. He goes, well, al hadith. He goes, the hadith doesn't restrict this kind of reality. Okay, I like that. Well, so. Uh, anyway, Sheikh Uthameen also takes it next level. He goes, he goes. There's no benefit in doing that because he goes, if they find out, if they find out that it's that person who's doing that, they're gonna beat him up. <laughs> they're gonna increase. For إنهم يزيدون شرا وربما يتقاتلون معه. They're gonna, they're gonna kick off with the guy, and that's gonna increase the thingy. Um, he goes, and he goes. The right thing is to go to a place and to advise them. You know, don't do this. It's haram. So Sheikh Uthameen is just talking about that. And then the final kind of aspect, I guess, uh, He goes, and underneath a fruit-bearing tree. Um, so he goes, yes, so it is therefore impermissible, and, and defecating under a tree that has fruit on it. And Imam al-Hajjawi, he benefits us by saying he said that the benefit of, under, of, of reading this text carefully the, the text of, uh, of Zad al-Mustaqni' is that he used the word tahta يعني, meaning an under uh, uh, or, or beneath or beneath 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 a fruit bearing tree meaning that the point is, is that he has to be close to the tree and not far from it so if he's far away from a tree, then the ruling doesn't apply. But if he's close to the tree, then the ruling applies. Um, and then Sheikh then says, uh, as for Thamara, um, uh, uh, he goes that fruit is a big word. He goes, we need to specify this word fruit because it's too too big. He goes, وَلَكَنْ يَجِبُ أَنْ تُقَيِّدَ فَيُقَالْ ثَمَرَةٌ مَقْصُودًا أَوْ ثَمَرَةٌ مُحْتَرَمًا Either we say specified fruit or we say uh, a sanctified f- a fruit. Uh, 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 not sanctified, muhtarama means respected. But I don't think that you would use respected or sanctified in fairness. I don't know what, what, uh, what a fruit. Uh, yeah, it's something which has some izza. We'll, we'll explain now here. وَالْمُقْصُودَةُ هِيَ الَّتِي يَقْصُدَهَا النَّاسِ وَلَوْ كَانَ غَيْرَ مَطْعُومَ So Sheikh says the specified fruit or not specified, that's also wrong. Um, uh, meaning that uh, 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 people want to get hold of it. That's what I. What, what, what fruit would that Desirable? Popular? Yeah. Maybe popular, desire, desirable. I mean, this is in the, the explanation, so you can put both, all these words down. So the first thing is popular, desirable fruit. Okay? And this is, and what is that he says, Sheikh says? He goes, that which the people want. Yaksaduha annas. People actually have a qasd for it. Their maqsad is this fruit. Yep, they actually want to get hold of this fruit for some reason. And Sheikh goes, even if it's not for eating, it doesn't have to be for eating. Okay? So it's not permissible to urinate under or to defecate under. Because what might happen 
and this is interesting, is that the fruit will fall down and it will become najis by landing in it, either in the urine or in the feces themselves. And he goes that also other people who are, and he goes the other reason of course is that if this tree has fruit that people are after for some reason, either because it's for to eat or to use for animals or for use to X, Y, Z, then they're going to have to climb this tree. Okay? Classically is what would happen. And if they're going to climb the tree, then they themselves are going to then get dirty by what's underneath the tree from urine and from and so on. Um, uh, and that, so, that, so this is, this, this is uh, the, the, the understanding by desirable fruit, fruit that people are after. He goes... Uh, as for the muhtarama, uh, then he, uh, he goes like sanctified fruit, if that's, a, if that's the correct word. Then he goes such as the, 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 the fruit of the nakhla, meaning the palm uh, tree. So anything which is coming from the palm tree, which has a special status. Okay. Um, um, and, and also uh, because, because it's a special tree, and its dates are respected. Dates are, yeah, and they have their own like special status. Okay, and the tamar tohamu muhtaram. Muhtaram is is Urdu, isn't it? Yeah, respected. Muhtaram. Yeah. So muhtaram is the Arabic word, same in Urdu and other languages. Okay. Um, uh, and also other trees that have yeah, any special significance, um, likewise. All right, so that's fine. وهناك أشياء لا يجوز البول فيها ولا التغيد غير ما ذكره المؤلف كالمس. So he goes, uh, so that's now been covered those three areas, okay? Um, but he goes, the muallif, the author didn't mention a few other places where it's not permissible to do urinating or defecating. The first of these are the mosques, so the masajid. ولهذا قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم للأعرابي and this is why the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said to that Bedouin when he came. إن هذه المساجد لا تسلش لشيء من هذا البول ولا ولا القذر. These in the hadith which is narrated in Sahih Muslim, it goes these mosques is not becoming to be having anything from urine or or feces therein. إنما هي لذكر الله عز وجل والصلاة وقراءة القرآن. Indeed, they are for the remembrance of Allah, uh, the Mighty and Exalted, the prayer, and the recital of the Quran. This hadith is narrated in Sahih Muslim in the book, in the chapter of purification. He goes, المدارس, And likewise in the places where people study, such as the schools and colleges and the religious institutions. Any place where people gather, to, indeed any place where people come to gather together for a religious purpose or a secular purpose, it is not permissible to defecate or urinate in such an area where the people gather together. This, of course, is not referring to built-up to- built toilets which are separate from the thing themselves. So, like in a school or like in a masjid, wudu area, so on. And there, illa, what's the, th- the reasoning behind this? What's the thinking behind this? Al-qiyas ala nahin nabi sallallahu min al-bawl fit It goes simple analogy that if the, 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 the roads and the paths are forbidden, then of course, then these places must be forbidden, even more so. And likewise, he goes. Uh, this is very subhanallah, very beautiful point. 
Jazallah khair, Allah yarahamu. He goes, if this is the ruling with respect to urine and defecating, and their illa is harming the people, then what about the harming of the people by one's tongue? One's tongue. And the Shaykh says, uh, the ayah that we just recited from Surah Al-Ahzab If we're using that to establish that physically harming people by putting urine or, or feces at risk of them touching Then what do you think then of your statements that harm the people? What do you think then of, this, of the actions that you do may harm the people in any way? The people in any way So think about that that's like litter, leaving things that people might fall over. That's like uh, causing infections because you're not being clean, because you're not being responsible, you're not cleaning, I don't know, after you eat, you're not washing up, you're allowing uh, bugs to come into the house, cockroaches, flies, and so on and so forth. Okay? Uh, and then taking it further at the spiritual level, one's statements, and, uh, which are impermissible, that you say to another person, you are belittling them, for example, without Sharia reason, or you are backbiting people, and so on and so forth. Um, and he goes, and he mentions another point, which is a bit specific to kind of Muslim countries. He says, as for the Turkish baths, uh, or the hammamat kind of people, or in or or or, or any p- place where someone is taking a bath, this is very interesting. Okay. This is very interesting. Um, uh, any place where people is, is taking a bath, here is a specific ruling. It's not permissible to defecate, but it is permissible to urinate because the urine is taken away and washed away, but the feces can't be washed away. So this is like down the um, the plug hole, exactly, down the plug hole. Um, he goes, despite this, of course, it is better and more recommended to avoid that. Okay, but sometimes, um, sometimes a person, <laughs> he finishes this statement, he goes, um, but sometimes a person, you know, if the rest of the, the toilets are busy and everyone's using it, sometimes he might need to urinate at the plug hole. <laughs> I love that, man, that's quality. لكن قد يحتاج الإنسان إلى البول كما لو كانت باقي الحمامات مشغولة. So sometimes the rest of the bathrooms are full, so you might need to just you know do a little cheeky one down the the plug hole. So so you know if that's the case then he's he's allowed. But no no number twos boys and girls. You know what I'm saying? That's a bit sick that. So I think uh, that's that's good. I like this. I like this last point. I like this last point as well. You know what I read just on that uh, side point? I think what we'll do is that we'll do Q&A. Um, incredibly, just through chit-chat, we spent one hour. I'm so delighted about that. Because my head's all over the show. But I will I will uh, certainly entertain Q&A. But I wanted to mention to you what I read today, just on the issue of harming people via um, uh, feces and not cleaning up after oneself and so on and so forth. Um, uh, there's a UN report that was released yesterday maybe in trying to look at the challenges of um, the growing population the climate change and so on and so forth and um, you know that's I don't know if you guys know but the biggest factor or one of the biggest factors for the current kind of mess of weather and climate change and the danger of the, the ozone layer and everything is the amount of meat that we eat did you know that? that the process for actually 
slaughtering and then at the movement of that meat preparation it releases something insane with respect to carbon dioxide like billions and billions of tons of whatever I don't know and which is interesting of course because when we're following sunnah properly then the Prophet is not a big meat eater but uh, uh, aside from that um, it's very subhanallah it's very interesting I mean it, no one's given it a proper study I haven't had I just read it and that's all I could think of was the sunnah this um, the, the recommendations that have been put in the report are of, of course re- reduction in meat eating which has been well known for a long time anyway scientists but the other one is to increase the eating of insects and uh, which is very interesting because when we come to that section you'll realize that of course that the Muslims have been eating insects for a long time certain types of insects especially locusts and locusts themselves were, were singled out for, for eating and, and, and so on and so forth he goes that a diet, dietary changes like this will be necessary and he goes the reduction in CO2 as a result will be very very uh, significant and also the pressure on food resources also very very important so that was another point and then another point that was much much found very fascinating I thought I'd share with you which is not really linked um, those first two points are the sunnah this one isn't the sunnah but it's interesting he goes that they will use human feces okay and abattoir blood to attract billions of flies and they will farm them because that's where they go isn't it they go for blood and they go for like toilet areas and they will farm all these flies in their billions and then somehow they will just knock them all out whatever right probably whatever in some biological safe fashion then they're going to grind them together to create food uh, for the for livestock so they will save so much on the uh, thing and it's proper, proper it'll be proper food if you're talking billions of flies and you put them all together now I find it interesting I'm sorry I find it very interesting because you see I'll tell you why it's interesting because in principle the fly itself is an interesting uh, 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 creature because the Prophet has said that when it falls into the cup then you take it out and you dip the other side in the issue there is that of course this is a najis animal in that it sits on najasa and there's a likelihood of najasa on it all the time so first of all we recognize it's najis number two we recognize that it's permissible to to uh, have in one's food which is very interesting the, 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 the scholars will differ over an intentional use of such a uh, insect but what if it's confirmed that they are able to breed these in a clean environment which are attracted to this area without touching if they don't get najasa on themselves then theoretically there shouldn't be a problem with these because of course feeding animals is a separate category in fiqh which we'll get to in about 36 years time and um, in that chapter you'll see that uh, animals are allowed to eat and they're allowed to eat najasa as well but only a certain amount when it starts to become the majority of its food stuff it's not, it's not permissible then to eat that animal to slaughter that animal that's why so you can't protect it completely from eating like uh, najas, but there has to be like a limit of the amount of najasa that it takes in. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, all of these issues that from a fifty point arise from just that little that little point there, which I found interesting. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, any Q and A, any soil drop, any good gup chub? Going back uh, about two lessons we spoke. 
Yes. And then what in that place? Okay. Oh yes, right. Yes. So what you're referring to is uh, the, the 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 discussion that we had about the different categories of places when they have the characteristic of either being hard or soft, combined whether they're clean or najis. Those were the four variables. And then we went through different kind of pairing them up with, with each thing. And they're just hard, they're just soft, etc., etc. Yeah. And the question is, as soon as the person starts to urinate, and so you're asking that if a person urinates in a certain area, does that area become an impure place? Um, maybe if I understand your objective behind the question, then it may become it will be easier to answer because it's obviously impure, right? And it's obviously impure at that moment, and depending upon where the area is and how it's washed and whatever would determine whether it's impure afterwards. But yani yani the categories that we gave were for area that was freshly impure. Not there's no such thing as a. If, like, like, you know, remember when we said this discussion, the toilets are the cleanest place in the house. Yeah, or these modern day toilets, right? Those actual, that actual like toilet bowl or cistern or whatever, that physically is as clean as it gets, being flushed and deto- uh, domestos, domestos, yeah, and all that kind of thing. It's super clean, isn't it? So it depends about what moment are you referring to. Correct. Correct. So let's first of all put it into context. These were statements of the scholars that are uh, not in any way obligatory in any way, not supported by any evidence per se for these four categories, but they were just surmising amongst themselves that if we have these different combinations of of realities, then there's going to be possible outcomes. The reason why it's important for me to say that is that we all know through physical practice and reality that this is not always the case. So it's quite possible to urinate in hard nejas and nothing happen. Yeah? But the reason that Ulema put those brackets down is that there's a, yani, a high likelihood of something happening. So what I would do, I explained the principles, I explained the categories for the learning point. The ruling though, the ruling though is based upon some of the consequence. <clears throat> The ruling is not based upon the categories themselves. The categories are there for us to reflect about and think. But what happens to us or what the haram halal issue uh, is all based upon the consequence of urinating in a certain area. So if you urinated even in a soft, clean area, but by whatever, uh, uh, you know, like we gave the example that um, sometimes um, you might hit an insect, for example, and it rebounds. Yes? We, when we discussed the issue of the hole, remember? That you might urinate and insects then will come out, things will come out, yes? And therefore the urine comes back. This is likewise the wind. You know? Urinating in the wind is a is a is a is a popular method, right? In a in a used in a different context. But sometimes for example, if it's very weak urine and the wind blows, 
then you know so we're going to rule on urinating in the wind no but we're going to be aware of it and we're going to rule on the consequence of if urine comes back onto yourself so what i'm saying is that it's good to know the different options and understand different realities but the more important point is to understand the consequence of what happens in said area and that therefore the scholars they put some recommendations down to make sure that one minimizes any likelihood and you know the more that i'm traveling the more that i see you know honestly there is an argument there there is an argument for these american style toilets with the higher water level there, there is but i don't think i'm sold on it <coughs> comparatively speaking i think yani lower is safer as long as you don't get no splashback behavior and you know what i've definitely written off one toilet though i use one type of toilet and i said that's a disaster that is you know what that one that is that's the one that has a high water level you know right up there and as i said to you before the advantage of that is that if you uh you flush it then in the flushing process did we, did we discuss this that in the flushing process it doesn't splash you know like you, you see what's interesting about our toilets I should be paid as a consultant on toilets honest to god i don't monetize myself that's the problem i should be more ruthless i need a business manager you know what i'm saying like you know he just just cuts out all the the charity and the smile he says son we can make money this is how we do it just make some money anyway right you know in the the, the, the toilets with the water levels I said to you the big advantage of those is that therefore you then flush the toilet and then if you then do istinja whatever the water which is splashing back is clean water remember we discussed that yeah okay so listen to this so so the first point there is that um uh there are uh toilets there are toilets which are high water level combined with automatic flush systems now what do you need to do for the automatic flush to work Huh? No, right. So listen, listen. Let me, let me explain. Let me let me, let me let me explain the situation. Let me, exactly, right? Get off the toilet. So, you got a toilet, okay? You guys know by now when I say low water level, high water level, yeah? yeah. So the UK toilets at low water level down there, right? There's no problem there. First of all, let's take a step back. Flushing on a low water level toilet, when you flush. Because there's so much fuck in this. <laughs> because when you have a, when you have that low toilet and the water levels here, if you urinate and defecate in the toilet, it's going against a hard surface, making it more likely to stick to said surface. Agreed. Therefore, more dirty. Therefore, whereas if you compare it to the American style toilets, which is water level up to here, because it falls into the water first, it doesn't stick to the sides. What's the consequence of the two toilets? That in the first one, therefore, when you, you when you flush, it has to have big force to clean the sides, okay? And as a result, water goes crazy all over the place. Do you understand? And it all empties, and it starts to fill up immediately, and whatever. There's always splashback in that flushing process. Whereas in the second type of toilet, where the water level is high, because there's no force needed, because there's nothing to clean, when you press flush, what happens? The water just goes and so the water then fills up nice and slow and so there's no flashback have you followed the process now so i'm saying that they each have the pros and cons but then if you are using a toilet which has a high flush high water level then 
You're about to make istinja. You don't want to make istinja on that toilet because the water is so close, it will splash back and make you more dirty. So you flush the toilet, it empties, and now you can do your istinja and there's no splashing. I come across a toilet the other day and I thought that's a disaster. It was a high water level with the automatic sensor-based uh, flush system. No physical way of flushing it. So what you, you know, it means you have to get off the toilet significantly away from the toilet because it's a mission yani that sensor right and then allow it to flush and then go back yani <laughs> and I made a mental note I said I've got to tell the lads yani that that's off the list yeah if you're thinking about hooking one up then that's off the list just knowledge you need to know what's happening man isn't it I have a couple of questions online. Yeah. The first one uh, is um, yeah, Is it permissible to urinate under non fruit bearing trees? It is permissible to urinate under a tree in which there is no reason that person would stay there and it has no fruit and it has no benefit for the people. That's permissible, inshallah. Allah so, when cleaning the bathroom, you have to go in and out of the bathroom several times. Is it best to keep using the other car before going in and coming out of the bathroom? No, I, so, so, uh, this is a good question. Uh, or going into the toilet a number of times for cleaning purposes or uh, you know some other purpose this requires just one type of, of a one time bismillah it is permissible for you to repeat it but the same ruling is like if you come into the masjid and you keep going in and out and in and out and whatever you don't need to keep praying to head to the masjid whatever it's a, like a general salam to the masjid and the bismillah is a general protection okay so it will be the first time and then when you come back out there we I'm not going to take it to the modernist further level, but there'd be even an argument that you wouldn't even have to say the du'a because you're not using it for its bad purpose. But I'd avoid that. That's controversial. I would make the du'a, but don't need to repeat it a number of times. That's it? Uh, Any questions here? Yeah. Yeah. Correct, which is why I said that as a what? Correct, correct, correct. That's why I said that it's not just about the fruit. As long as that tree is not being used for shade or not being used for, for people for some popular reason, X, Y, Z, then that has to be combined alongside the fact that it is fruit or not. Last question. Based on, I don't know answer this one, it's a bit off topic. Based on what you said, how legit is chicken, etc., to use the food to give it to eat? How can we show the food that they're giving is okay? And if the chicken is slaughtered in halal way, you're having a laugh, aren't you? You're having a laugh about dealing with chicken. Jazakumullah khair everybody I apologize for today's yani, relaxed natured lesson But we have to have one every 25 yani. 25 lessons folks That's, a, that's an anniversary isn't it? What's it called? Silver, Silver yeah? Ah he knew straight away ah, <laughs> Dr. Shazad Romantic ah. 25 man We've done a, a silver anniversary of the, of the lessons Alhamdulillah we're not allowed silver. Yes, we are. Men are, man. Men are. The women, yeah, they need to win for their gold. What's gold? 50. 50, yeah. And then? It's okay. I won't tell anyone that you know these. Go on. 60 is diamond. 60 is diamond. Oh, yeah. And then some diamond somewhere after that. Right. If you get that far. If you get that far. Jazakumullah khair, everybody. I will. Oh, sorry. Uh, we have an a event here. Uh, uh, can someone tell me the details? Of, huh? 
No, it's here. Uh, 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 on Saturday. This Saturday, صح. Sheikh Akram al Nadwi is here. I think this Saturday. Is it this Saturday? Yes. What time? Can someone tell me? Confirm. Nine. Nine till six. Surah Yusuf Tafsir. Shido Masjid. This Masjid here. Nine and till six. It's a nine thirty. With Sheikh Akram al Nadwi, Shido Masjid would be very delighted. He's a good. He's a good. He's a good man, Sheikh Akram. And then we have a. Oh right, okay. So the course is a paid course, a tafsir course, okay, um, from nine till six or nine thirty till six, and then it's going to be followed by the monthly talk, which is a free event at six thirty here, Chidul Masjid, this Saturday, inshallah. As for the, um, yeah, that's fine. I think we we'll leave it at that. Jazakumullah khairu subhanakallahu wa bihamdik. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta wa astaghfiruka Allahumma wa atubu ilaik.